not good, but great. How would you like to feel better after listening to this to the end? If you're thinking that'd be great, we share the same intention. I'm hoping you're like me, and if you are, you're heading for a breakthrough, not a breakdown. I'm going to shift to occasional we language now as if you are like me, and we share a lot in common. We've always wanted to be good, good people, but somehow it doesn't always work out. We've always wanted to be brave, but we're often frightened and full of self-doubt. We'd wish we'd been the beautiful person at school, but we're often, more often, celebrated for our bubbly personality or sense of humour. Are we still together on this? One out of three? Two out of three? Or how about three out of three? Good. Let's recognise that we are in good company, from fictional sinners to factual saints. Perhaps sinner is unfair, but Jack Nicholson, in As Good As It Gets, plays a deeply troubled soul, Melvin Udall. Melvin suffers from obsessive-compulsive behaviours and writes romance novels for a living. Falling in love with compassionate waitress Carol Connolly, played exquisitely by Helen Hunt, he utters the famous line, You make me want to be a better man. Love can do that to a person. Love brings out the best in all of us. A famous saint and also another writer, the Apostle Paul, put his own frustrated ambition this way. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing. For desire is present with me, but I don't find it doing that which is good. For the good which I desire, I don't do. But the evil which I don't desire, that I practice. And he goes on, what a wretched man I am. Who will deliver me out of the body of this death? Doesn't sound very positive, does it? Paul needed a breakthrough. Melvin found his. I've had a breakthrough. Together, we are going to have a breakthrough. There's been a lot of them over the last few months, and this extended crisis is amplifying them, magnifying them. Much of it comes down to understanding my dark side, or what Carl Jung called the shadow. His teaching has been of enormous comfort to me because I've concluded that everyone I know, yes, everyone, even you, dear listener, has a dark side. I've been trying to be a good boy since childhood under the merciless regime of my tyrannical mother, God rest her soul. For Melvin, this dark side included the compulsion to obsessive behaviours mixed with a dash of racism, misogyny and homophobia. For the Apostle Paul, this dark side is named the flesh and is rejected as evil. I'm beginning to wonder if Jung's approach is a happier and healthier one. For him, no progress can be made until we accept that unwanted, unacknowledged part of ourselves and integrate it in a productive way into our personality. Paul branding it the flesh makes it our enemy. Pretty standard Christian doctrine for millennia. It also makes us feel bad because it's not going anywhere. It's going to be a constant traveling companion until we graduate to a higher level. Paul shouts, crucify it. Jung says, integrate it. What is most fascinating for me is that Jung's path offers a route to becoming less judgmental, more kind and more compassionate. Surely noble Christian ambitions. 
Once we accept that we too are capable of terrible thoughts and intentions, and thus actions, we can show far more compassion to others. There, but for the grace of God, go I. The writer to the book of Hebrews makes this point about Jesus, who was, and I quote, tempted in every way such as we are, resulting in him being able to understand what we wrestle with and thus be touched with compassion. Here's the full verse. For we don't have a high priest who can't be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but one who has been in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. There are dark matters in the human psyche, but that doesn't mean we have to act on them. Acknowledging them means we can have more compassion and even forgiveness towards others, and we can grow up as people ourselves. One of my favourite stories is of the destruction of bigotry. Would you like to hear it? A woman was caught in the act of adultery. Notice it was the woman who was dragged in front of the mob, not the man. If you were caught in the act of adultery, you'd think it would take two to tango, wouldn't you? Anyway, the culture of the time was toxic, antichrist, and contrary to the scriptures the religious people are about to invoke. Here's the story. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman taken in adultery. Having set her in the middle, they told him, Teacher, we found this woman in adultery, in the very act. Now in our law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. I'll come back to that in a minute because that's not true. What then do you say about her? They said this, testing him, that they might have something to accuse him of. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger. But when they continued asking him, he looked up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw the first stone at her. Again he stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger. They, when they heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning from the oldest even to the last. Jesus was left alone with the woman where she was in the middle. Jesus, standing up, saw her and said, Woman, where are your accusers? Did no one condemn you? She said, No one, Lord. Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go your way. From now on, sin no more. Just a thought here for those of us who believe in the devil too. The accuser of the brethren is one description used of Satan. When you sense the devil accusing you of being a jerk, it really helps to quote Jesus. He who is without sin, throw the first stone. The original sinner, which was the devil, not Adam, has no moral grounds to condemn you whatsoever. I'd also be tempted, pun intended, to answer back, compared with whom? For those of you concerned about the Bible being anti-women, nothing could be further from the truth. Even the scripture the religious leaders are misrepresenting are very clear that both partners are to be dealt with. Jesus was equally very clear about raising the status of women in society. Society was toxic, not the scriptures. And yet there is so much more to this record of what happened. This drama would have unfolded over a long, protracted period of time. Jesus had risen very early in the morning and had gone into the temple to teach. A crowd had gathered. A crowd, not 15 people. The whole crowd dispersed as Jesus continued to write in the dust. What did he write? 
Many commentators believe he wrote a list of sins that those in the audience had committed. Theft, murder, greed, avarice, envy, slander, false witness. Whatever the words were, the combination of the woman's plight and the conviction of their own hearts drawn attention to by what he was writing worked wonders as great as any physical miracle. The greatest miracle is a change of heart. Convicted, they all went, beginning from the oldest there present, right through to the young. We can pick up again the theme of dealing with the darkness. We've all got it. The wonderful Apostle John said, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. John is writing to believers. Frankly, personally, I have not had much success at being a good chap. And I'm hoping you haven't been very good at being a good girl or a good boy either. Because we're conning ourselves about what we are capable of. Far better to have a realistic appraisal of our true nature. Bono from U2 puts it powerfully when he sings. I've spoken, or I've spoke with the tongue of angels. I've held the hand of a devil. It was warm in the night. I was cold as a stone. That's from the song I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Now that I know far more about the darkness inside me, it can blooming well stay there. Acknowledged, respected, but unexpressed. My Dr. Jekyll can keep Master Hyde in control. My shadow doesn't have to leak out in that horrible, critical spirit that most good people harbour. The holier than thou are usually darker than most. I've made a commitment. I've realised I'll never be the good boy I thought I ought to be. But I can become great. I didn't vote for Boris Johnson and I'm pretty sure he's not a good boy. But he is becoming a great leader. President Trump has certainly got an interesting history that would probably preclude him from being described as having been a good boy. But he's doing a great job. And sorry, I'm no royalist. Nevertheless, I'm a fan of the great job Her Majesty does. We may not be good, but we can be great. What about not being the beautiful kid on the block? What about not being picked for the team? Or being last to be picked? What about not being popular? What about not being the prom queen or the prom king? What about not being captain of the team? I get it at last. After a long look in the mirror, I'm never going to be the beautiful boy or the beautiful girl. But I'm going to become more like Dale and Amanda at work. Not to say that they aren't beautiful, they are. Both of them, however, give me such a warm welcome at work that I feel like a prince. As such, they are both massively attractive. We may or may not be beautiful, but we can be attractive and make others feel great. It's fascinating that Jesus is described as having no outward appearance that we would find beautiful, and yet children flocked to him. This means he was extremely attractive. I think truly attractive people make us feel good about ourselves, which is why they are good to be around. Whereas beautiful people can make us feel envious, we can admire them, we can want to be like them, 
but we feel less than them. Attractive people make others feel great. And before I draw to a conclusion, I want to say I wouldn't have had the breakthroughs I hope you are going to enjoy too, unless I'd spent time with my coach, Kim Searle. Let Kim help you be more you. And as for being brave, I think it's overrated. I choose courage instead. Courage can act when we still feel like wetting ourselves with fear. Courage is action from the heart. That's us then. Not bold, but courageous. Not beautiful, but attractive. Not good, but becoming heroes. Yes, maybe not good, but definitely great.